Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 7th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the original opulent. The caffeine rage? Uh, you broke up like a madman in that, so I'm assuming this is one I'm supposed to jump in. You are correct, sir. On today's episode, we will, of course, be discussing the games which we have played over the last few weeks going to be talking about the December Game Club, My Time at Portia. We're going to reveal our next Game Club game for January. We'll have a quick community corner, and if there's time, a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. It's kind of funny. We've been sitting here talking for a while, and the connection's been fine, but as soon as we go into like show mode, uh, you start Skipping like a seven-year-old in the playground. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, that works. That's an interesting metaphor, but it works. I almost said 2019. <laughs> but no, this is the first show which we have recorded in 2020. Yes, it's the current year. Yay, current year argument. <laughs> How are you? It's the current decade. That is true. It is also a new decade. Uh, Well... Depends on if you accept year zero or not. Because technically, no. Technically, yes. It's that weird gray area that, yeah, most people don't give a damn about and they're just going to go uh, with whatever media is going to say. And it, let's be honest, it's a good way to drive traffic whenever you say, it's a new decade, we're going to cover all the games of, uh, yeah, of the last 10 years. But, yeah, it's always a new decade if depending on how you count it. I suppose, being uh, technically correct there. And it is the best form of correct. Only the very best. Did you have a good Christmas and New Year, sir, since yeah, we it actually was a, close to those times? Yeah, it was a, a pretty good uh, Christmas and New Year's for me. Uh, kind of relaxing. Didn't do a lot, so... By design. <laughs> Same. Especially New Year. Since we wound up not going to uh, visit the in-laws for various reasons, uh, I spent that whole week, which was last week, at home doing pretty much nothing. It was wonderful. And how is this different than usual? Well, usually I have to do things like go to work and do a lot more like housework but it was like, ah, I'm on vacation, and my kid's here. I'll make him do everything that I possibly can. Play video games. Played a lot of one specific video game. Yeah, which, uh, do you wish to talk about it? Yep. We can. Because that's too, good I will have to, that's too good a segue. That's true. I'll have to flip-flop them on the games list, but that's fine. Um, I did play four games since or, or during the interim but i've only played two enough to really talk about them so the first one that i've played is divinity original sin 2 and i have played this game for nearly 80 hours in the past week and a half uh after i got it i got it on the steam sale uh winter sale for like 25 bucks or something like that and 
boy, is this a good game. Oh my god, it's so good. So, you and I played through the first one over the course of, like, 18 months or something like yeah. that. Um, and we had a really good time with it, but we had problems with it. Uh, AI pathing issues and some of the weird oddities and uh, glitches, things like that. Um, this one fixes all of that as far as I can tell. There could be something related to multiplayer that obviously I haven't been able to test because I've been playing through it single player. But this game really feels like, from a, a gameplay perspective, a huge refinement over the first one. It, it feels like they're like, okay, people had complaints about all this stuff, so let's fix it. Uh, AI pathing being the first example. Um, if you're just wandering around, like it, when you're in, in combat, uh, if you click somewhere, they're going to take the most direct path to get to that, even if it goes through hazardous stuff. You can sort of queue up movement orders um, at the expense of maybe a little additional AP on your turn. So you can't avoid that stuff, but otherwise it's just like, you know, fastest path, even if it goes through, um, you know, fire or poison or whatever. But when you're running around the overworld or when combat ends, if there's no clean path for the characters to get to where you're trying to go, they just won't move. They'll just stay there until you either manually take control of them and make them move or until the, you know, fire surface, as it most often is in my case, uh, dissipates. And then they will uh, move towards you. Hopefully not um, on fire. Uh, oh, yeah, hopefully not. Um, but there's other things. A, a lot of things have really been changed and refined and simplified in terms of the leveling up and the character creation. Or not character creation, but the character um, progression system. That's been simplified a little bit. Um, it's been expanded in other ways, but crafting is no longer an individual skill. It's kind of a combination of a couple of, of other skills. Um, persuasion is now... Like, previously there was the Persuasion minigame, where you could kind of cheese your way through something if you, like, save-scummed enough. That minigame is gone, and now it's just purely a check, and if you have enough Persuasion, you can pass, and if you don't, then you fail that, that check. Um, although the persu Persuasion system, you get different types of Persuasion, like, based on your other skills. So, like, if you're trying to persuade a character, it might say Intelligence, and if your character's got a really high Intelligence, and that's an easier check than if you did, like... Uh, a strength persuasion check or something like that, which I like. That feels very D and D, very tabletop esque. Um, and I know that's what Divinity kind of sells itself as is like the closest you can get to the freedom of tabletop with um, a modern RPG or PC game or you know video game CRPG computer yeah CRPG computer role playing game. Sorry, my brain <laughs> left me there for a second. Um, and as I talk about this, rest assured, I'm going to be 100% spoiler free. I don't want to ruin this for anybody. Um, but other mechanics, things that have changed, the skill system for actually using skills is different, um, and more forgiving. So you now have something called memory, uh, and that's one of your overall skills that you can improve every level up, um, that basically the more memory slots you get, the more skills you can use at once. It's no longer limited by having... Say pyrokinetics, you know, you had to get that up to level five to use certain spells in the first one. And as you leveled it up, you got 
X number of level one spells and X number of level two spells and so on. And now you just have memory slots and certain powerful spells will take two or three memory slots to use. Um, whereas the weaker ones will only take one. So you can sort of manage it that way. Uh, as far as I have noticed, you don't need a, a specific or like a, a skill above level five, but they go to level 10 now. Um, and you get, uh, they're called combat skill points. Um, you get one every level up now. So you get a lot more that you can do with those. And the game really encourages you to mix and match. There are now certain skills or spells that require you to have, you know, X number of points in one skill and X number of points in another. Um, and then there's certain skills that uh, affect a wide variety of things. Like, for example, there's a new skill called uh, Polymorph. And Polymorph gives you extra attribute points. So strength, constitution, intelligence, etc. Every time you level up one of those, you get just a point for that. But also it affects an entire new class of, of spells, which are Polymorph spells, that allow you to change aspects of your own character's body or another character during a fight. So for example, you can, um, there's one that's called, uh, sprout wings and your character grows wings and then you can fly while you have the wings. And there's one that's like bull horns and all of your movement, um, basically acts like the, was it the bull rush or the charge skill? Um, all of your movement basically acts like that and you can run into characters and knock them over and gore them. Um, but it, it will change some of your other stats while that spell is active. Uh, there's one that's called spider legs and you sprout spider legs out of your back and can shoot spider webs. Um, that one's really freaky looking, but it's actually extremely useful, um, as a, like a, a crowd control spell because almost nothing except other insects is, uh, insect type creatures are immune to being in webbed. So you can lock characters down a lot easier than you can with spells. There's, I mean, and there's tons of little tweaks like that um, within the actual uh, leveling up and, and character progression system. I think for the most part, it's for the better. Um, there's a couple of things that are a little weird, and you really only need one character that can persuade. Um, so then you wind up with characters that have, like, basically you need one character who's good at lore master. You need one character who's good at persuading. And then sneaky, the sneaky stuff is kind of optional based on how you want to play. So you might could have a character that's good at sneaky stuff. But then the skill tree for bartering is basically useless because if your persuasion skill is high enough, people like you, you still get discounts and money really becomes no object by the midpoint of the game. Um, and you can get little healing items. Uh, like there's a thing called a rucksack or a sleeping kit or something like that and it's an infinite item that you can use outside of combat that what completely heals your party and removes all negative status effects and you can get that at the very beginning of the game it's just like lying on the beach so you don't need to spend as much money on healing spells and if you're a little careful in combat you don't need as many especially in the beginning of the game um revive scrolls uh, which is nice because that's something we spent a lot of time on. Yeah. Now, I in the end game where I'm at, I have ran into an, a level where that I don't think I'm supposed to be because of the you know just sort of the freedom. But I'm way over leveled and I'm 
I'm getting my ass kicked. And so I've used a lot of revive spells. Like there's one of the talents that I've taken that's called ambidextrous that lets a character use all items for one less action point down to one. So a revive scroll costs three action points to use now. Uh, but that means I can use one for two. And with the way that the action point system has been changed, that means I can revive two characters every turn as long as I don't die. So it's like I can just keep throwing a, a character as cannon fodder at the enemy. And it's like, oh, let's just revive you. Just revive both of you every turn. And that's kind of Get the what sponge I've had of to corpse for... re- uh, retrieval. Yes, indeed. Um, but that's probably the next biggest thing is the, the change to the combat system. Um, the in terms of like item effects and interactions between different spell types, like the classic combination is oil and fire to create these huge fire fields that burn characters as they stand in them or run through them. But they've added a lot of new ones. Um, Curse uh, and Bless, which both existed in the previous game, can now create uh, cursed or blessed surfaces, which have additional positive or negative effects. Um, and then there's a whole, several new ones that have to do with sort of the key, uh, I guess, MacGuffin of the game. So there's new surfaces with new properties. The God to Box them. 2. And it oh, can, oh, sorry, it can it's the God Box of, 360, isn't it? Yes, three, the 360 no-scope edition of the God Box. But, um, so there, there's new effects, um... They have done a lot of things to help deal with that. So characters now have uh, physical armor and magic armor. Um, whereas previously armor was just sort of a straight damage reduction, you know, like sort of a percentage-based damage reduction or would give you um, resistances to elemental damage, which elemental damage resistance still exists. But the way armor and equipment works now is that you have these two additional types of armor. And your health doesn't take any damage until either magic armor or physical armor is gone. It's based on what type of damage you're receiving to which one gets hit. But while you have them active, no effects can hurt you. So if you have magic armor, then you can't actually be caught on fire. Or you can't be frozen, you can't be stunned, that sort of thing. Um, And then if you have physical armor, you can't be knocked down, you can't be crippled, um, you can't... Uh, what's the status effect? You can't be hit with decay if you have physical armor still, which decay is horrible. It turns all healing effects that you get into damage done. So that sucks. So basically, but anyways, sort of, but even poison doesn't heal you then. Ooh. Because poison heals undead. But, um, as long as you have one of those two armor types in their respective... Uh, status effects can't hit you aside from a couple of very specific high level spells or a perk that you can take called glass cannon which um, you can still take status effects through the armor but you start every round with maximum AP you take Um, glass cannon everyone I did not know no thank you sir I had to talk you out of glass cannon last time you did except for all of my characters except for one have comeback kid on them that skill is very useful, and I wish I had it on all four of my characters, but I do not. I only have it on three. Comeback Kid has saved my ass a lot now that I'm fighting consistently higher-level enemies. Um, but everyone has magic pockets all the time now. 
Um, and it doesn't cost you any additional AP to use something directly from your bag, as opposed to having it down on your quick bar, which is handy. So you can now just basically have a pack mule and use stuff out of that person's bag, which for me is is uh, the Red Prince, which is the Medora of this game. Um, he can carry like 300 and something pounds of gear because his strength is so high. Oh, so I just give him all the... All the consumables, and everybody uses consumables from his inventory. You have no idea half the shit Medora was carrying at the end, do, uh, do you? She had like oh, three I, or four different barrels. I had a crate of Death Fog, which is a thing that's like a huge key plot point of this game. And it does exactly what you think it does. And he was just like carrying a crate around. I'm like, if I ever get in trouble, I'll just drop this crate and blow it up and kill everything. But it weighed like 200 pounds, and I had to drop it because I... Got a bunch of consumables for upcoming upcoming fights and stuff. Um, plus, I'm fighting a lot of undead now. And Death Fog doesn't kill undead. So, I'm like, well, I might as well not even waste this inventory space. But uh, characters now can only get 6 AP. Uh, as opposed to previously, AP was affected by one of your stats. Or maybe your gear, I don't remember uh, specifically. Both, but you could have up to, I think it was like 14 AP, but you could start with as little as like 4 or 5. Um, but now every character starts every round with 4, and you can bank 2 to have a maximum of 6. There's also certain skills that will give you AP on your turn. Um, like there's one called Adrenaline, which gives you 2 AP now with the cost of 2 AP on your next turn. There's a skill called Second Wind or something like that. And whenever you kill an enemy, you get two AP. Um, there's a couple others. A haste gives you an additional AP every turn. So, um, but I, I like it better. It's simplified, it's streamlined. It makes a lot more sense. And small changes don't completely affect your entire combat. Because previously, it's like, oh, I'm going to change out my weapon. Oh, I lose three AP every turn well that's not good so um as far as uh storyline goes i mean it's fucking amazing and it's much more level so the first one the first area first couple of areas were really good and then it kind of falls apart um due to the development cycle of the game this one is very strong throughout the first area that you start the game in well, I guess the very first area, you're only there for like an hour because it's just like, you know, quick like story. Here's the tutorial. Boom, drop you in the real first area of the game. You're there for 10, 12 hours, possibly more if you explore. I know I missed something because I didn't realize like one of the key game mechanics, which I can't talk about because it's a spoiler, but I didn't quite understand how that worked on the first island. And so I missed potentially a really big like story quest, um, like side story quest. And I'll have to do that on another playthrough. But, um, you know, I spent about 10 hours there. And then the second location is where you spend the most of your time. I probably spent 40 hours in the second major area. And then you go to a third area that's smaller, but it's it makes sense why it's smaller. It's like you're there to do one specific task. There's a few side quests. Depending on choices you made, certain people may or may not be there that you can deal with. Um... And then you, you complete it and you move on to what I think is the final area. Um, and this is another pretty large area. So I'm level 18. I'm nearly level 19. I haven't looked to see what the level cap is. But I'm I'm 
fighting things that are like level 19 and 20 all the time. So I'm definitely in the final area of the game, and I have gotten to a place too early. Because, I mean, the game basically gives you the freedom to do so. Because I was, I was wandering around exploring, and I got in this dude's house, and I discovered, like, a secret room and a bunch of stuff. And, like, I got all these notifications, like, in my... Or not notifications, but, like, updates to my story quests. And so then I went, and I, like, explored that area, and I'm fighting these things, like, two levels higher than me. And then I come out from that area, and I find some people that are like, oh, hey, you know that guy... And it was the guy whose house I was exploring. There's some weird, spooky stuff going on in his attic. Maybe you should check that out. And it's like, ah, yes, I already found that. Probably should have completed this quest first and then found out and then went to go do it. But, you know, that's the nature of the the openness of this game. My favorite thing to do is to take a quest from someone, complete the quest, then then kill them for experience and goodies. I do that regularly. I also do that, like, I had one where the quest where I'm supposed to uh, kill a demon, I found the demon, I did a quest for the demon, then I killed the demon. It's like, yay! More XP and rewards. So. But the story is excellent. There are six characters that, you know, pre-crafted characters that have storyline, like a a predetermined storyline already. I guess predetermined backstory and story hooks for them throughout the game. Um, You can still create your own character, which I did. And then I picked three of the characters to go through and play the game with. Um, And the other people show up at other times, but they're not like the main people you're hanging out with and experiencing the bulk of their story with. So I've got at least one more playthrough where I play and use the other three characters that I didn't touch outside of just the starting area. Um, but I really, really, really want to play this game with you and let you just be like the hero dude and I'll follow you around, um, and help out and just see how you play. And, you know, I would, if you wanted to know something, I would tell you, but I think that would also be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would like to play it at some point. I just, uh, well, it didn't drop low enough for me to want to jump on it because, Yeah. yeah. Last time we played uh, Divinity, it was a year and a half to beat, and that was actively recording it as well, so we were playing it longer than we probably would have otherwise. Yeah. There's no forced stealth section, is there? Because that just pissed me off. No. At this at this point, no. You can do everything completely non-stealth. There are definitely times when stealth would be helpful or a good option, but you don't have to stealth anything. And, yeah, there there has been, so far, no convoluted section like what we ran into and had to go back and sort of backtrack and fix. So. Yeah, I mean, that... I think the original Divinity suffered from Kickstarter Syndrome, where they had the first portion of the game out for so long that it got ridiculously polished that the second map for it, while not terrible really just pales in comparison so and that's not you know necessarily a bad thing it's just you know it's just the way it was developed yeah um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really can talk about without spoiling the story I'll probably come back to it at some point in the future and maybe after we both play it to talk story 
Because, I mean, it really is. I, okay, I will say about the story, you don't have to have played the first Divinity Original Sin mm-hmm. or Dragon Commander to yeah, well, get what's going on in this game. Well, I'm glad I don't have to but, play Dragon Commander because I really do not like that. <laughs> yeah, but having played both of them gives a lot of extra context to things and a better understanding because they reference the war that's in Dragon Commander. And characters from the first Divinity are mentioned. And uh, one of them shows up. It's, you know, like a sort of a a magical, eternal-type character. Shows up. And, you know, if you don't know him, like, it doesn't matter. But if you do, it's like, oh, hey, it's that guy from the first game. Cool. Yeah, he was kind of a douche. (laughs) Excuse me. But... Hands down, though, best thing about the game, so far, I've slept with a skeleton man, a lizard man, a lizard lady, a human lady, a dwarf man, and I'm not sure if it was sex, but it felt very sexual what happened with an elven lady. So. You slut. Absolutely. Like, the first thing that I did, like... I mean, I you know was talking to everybody because you know that's what you do in this game because it's fun, and it's like someone's like, hmm, yes, this whole uh, sexual relation thing. Like I've been studying your your kind, and it, it was a skeleton man, and I'm like, oh, you wanna you wanna bone down? Because I I have a character trait called Jester that basically lets you make bad jokes sometimes uh-huh. as a dialogue option. Yeah, and she's like, hey, do you wanna bone down? And he was like, ha ha. Oh, wait, you're serious. And it's like, I had sex with Skeleton Man. I was like, yeah! Well, that's a thing. I think next time I'm going to play an elf, regardless of what class, because elves have this ability to eat body parts and gain people's memories. And sometimes they can pick up skills and abilities that way. So, I want to eat people and find out their memories. Silence. Is that stunned silence that you can... No, it's more... It's hard for me to understand you uh, trying to piece together what you're talking about, silence. Ah. Cannibalism. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's not not the fact that I didn't understand what you're talking about. It's more I couldn't understand you because your connection sucks or my connection sucks or something's going on. Gotcha. Yeah, we're going to have to sit and try to tour around with Discord, I think. But that's all I have to talk about with Divinity. So would you like to take a turn? Yeah, let's go ahead and dive into uh, some Just Calls. Why? Well, because I played it. That's why. Well, I'm not going to make that joke Hey-o. again. So, yeah, I know. I like that you didn't give the joke. So uh, one of the games I picked up that in the Steam Winter Sale uh, that actually gave you as well was the third edition of Just Cause. Uh, the base game went dirt cheap, which I, what I gave you. Then I saw, oh, the DLC pack is also really cheap. So I ended up grabbing that. And this feels like kind of a sidestep for the Just Cause series. I've played the first two and now three. The first one uh, I picked up 
because it was actually cheaper to get it along with Batman Arkham Asylum for I think they were uh the same publisher. Uh and they had a bundle and it was like, uh oh, we'll get just calls and you'll and we'll knock off a couple bucks. And I still feel a little ripped off because it was really, really rough. Just Cause 2 I had fun with. Uh, it just... I always had to go in and reset all my visual settings because it would always go 720p windowed in like the corner of the screen. And no matter what I did, I was never able to get it to actually remember. Oh yeah, I have a 1080p monitor. And I would like full screen, please. And, you know, actual decent vi- uh, visual settings. So Just Cause 3 at least fixed that. But it, it feels like I said a sidestep. So for those who don't know, Just Cause is essentially just a sandbox game where you go and liberate the shit out of everything. And by liberate, I mean, of course, blow up. You are Rico Rodriguez, and it seems like you're, the only reason you're there is just to wreck shit and uh, topple dictators. And for some reason, the way you topple dictators is literally just blow up everything. Everything that's red, yeah, must die. And it gets replaced with blue things, sometimes. So, this is him going back to his uh, home archipelago. And they talk about uh, this absolutely massive uh, thousand square kilometer map, but it's an archipelago, so there's a lot of open ocean. And I would say it's actually probably about the same size as the second game's map uh, altogether, just based off uh, what I could see on the uh, overworld map. But since it's so spread out on these different islands with different, you know, just vast ocean between them. Uh, yeah, they can boast that big uh, number, but it doesn't really mean a lot because, yeah, uh, yeah, one ocean wave is not that different from another one, right? Yeah, and I gotta say, the story is pretty fo- throwaway. You know, I mean, it's a just cause game, so yeah, it's, you're pretty much just there to blow up random shit. Uh, you're there to topple a dictator that took over Rico's uh, uh, country after he left to join the uh, agency that is uh, that has been sending him to various third world places to blow the uh, sorry to liberate the fuck out of them and you're you know uh reconnecting with some people from uh, Rico's past and uh that's pretty much as far as I've gotten because I kind of uh, went off and did my own thing because well that's kind of the point of the game but it's also kind of broken things at times so uh, let me explain just calls it uh, this one it feels a lot more sandboxy than the uh, previous ones. Uh, even though I don't have a lot of experience with one, I played a lot out of uh, a lot of uh, the second one, and that one it broke down the game into various hub worlds where uh, each of the major factions of the country that you're you know, liberating the fuck out of uh, had a series of quests that you had to go do for them to fulfill their requirements to be able to essentially boost their influence over a general area to progress the main story. In this one, you're pretty much told to just go do what you want. And it could sometimes kind of take the tension out of things because one of the quests that I did, or sorry, one of the main missions, uh, quests, missions, whatever, 
uh, I had to go grab this magical MacGuffin to discover that is able to detect this uh, magical element that the local dictator has uh, uh, weaponized. Well, the mission is playing this, you know, really dramatic music, and it's uh, acting like, okay, well, this is going to be a really tense moment. And all I'm doing is just walking through a brace that I liberated like, you know, three hours ago in game time. Or, well, play time, I should say. Uh, because it was in the middle of, the, like, this major uh, uh, high-security base that I, mm -hmm. you know, kind of rained death upon from a, t a tank and a few helicopters <laughs> already. So it was already under my influence. And then it was continuing to play this really dramatic music as uh, it uh, had me go infiltrate this other base that I've already liberated the fuck out of. So there's times that, you know, the open world nature of the game kind of plays against it, actually. <laughs> and there's always, a, like the other Just Cause games, a wacky moments. Sometimes the game bugs out a little bit. Uh... There's been times that I've just been ragdolled and, you know, the game will just say, okay, uh, you're dead. Uh, and it's, uh, happens actually quite a bit, uh, with the new, uh, method of transportation. So in the previous couple games, you had a parachute that, you know, magically repacks itself and you're able to deploy it at will. And Rico has a grappling hook that you're basically able to reverse Spider-Man down. Uh, uh, well, across the uh, landscape by essentially just parasailing everywhere. And then just hijack a car or even just tether to a car and let it just pull you along in the second game. Well, now he has a wingsuit, so now he's flying Squirrel Man. And he's still able to grapple and pull himself along and essentially just somehow not lose altitude whenever he's just, you know, latched to the ground ahead of him. Yeah, don't don't ask questions, right? Don't ask questions about the physics of this game, right? And no questions asked. Uh, magic. Uh, it's fuck you. That's why. Well, uh, the new flight method it also has it where if you clip something, you'll ragdoll, and if you hit something hard enough, uh, you go full George the Jungle and you're dead. So it's a bit of a risk-reward using it, and it's also very easy to get ragdolled in it if you get caught in an explosion. Which, you know, this is a Just Cause game, so, you know, explosions only happen once every couple seconds. You know, because everything is made of explosion in this game. And they really up the amount of destructive uh, uh, objects in the game. Uh, especially in some of the larger military bases where you're taking out, you know, satellite comm links, all these uh, satellite dishes, various f fuel repositories, uh, electrical uh, 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 you know, substations, uh, blowing up uh, base commanders. But uh, if you're using the wingsuit, you know, you're playing it very, very risky. And it does look like there's upgrades to the wingsuit to, so that it'll have offensive capabilities later on. Which brings me to the one thing that I like the least about the game, the upgrade system. So you remember the previous game, how you had a bunch of items that you could just, you know, uh, upgrade items that you could find randomly to 
upgrade your whatever weapon or cars that you want, depending on what item, uh, what particular upgrade you found or upgrade part. Yes, sir. Gone. Completely. Instead, everything is tied to challenges now. As you liberate the fuck out of things, and yes, I am going to continue using that, uh, you uh, unlock various challenges in one of, I think it's like seven or eight different categories. And as you complete these challenges, you gain gears depending on the uh, on how well you did in the challenge. So like a race, if you get under a certain time, you may get one gear, get a little bit faster, you get two, up to five. And these gears are spent on a linear progression system for each of the uh, subcategories. So doing uh, activities where you are driving essentially a, uh, a, a car or a buggy or something rigged with the same explosive that was used in speed, where if you drop below a certain speed, you blow up. And you have to take out a particular target oh, and not die in the process. So if you do well enough, you get in gears, and then that may upgrade your grenades. So the first one will always, always be glass grenades. So as soon as your grenades touch something, they blow up. The next one will give you more grenades. The next one uh, gives you smart grenades and so on. And it's a very linear progression. And each of the upgrade tree or upgrade paths is like this, where there's no choice whatsoever. It's just go do the challenges to be able to get the upgrades. And you get more challenges as you liberate more and more of the map. Well, sorry, liberate the fuck out more and more of the map. And that is kind of a disappointment for me, actually. Because I like to be able to say, okay, well, this weapon was really cool. I I could throw in uh, some uh, items into it to uh, upgrade it to make it a little bit more uh, punchy. That system is completely gone. As far as I could tell, there's no way to directly upgrade weapons. So it really falls down to find a weapon that you like, and that's pretty much what you're going to be playing with. There's weapon chests all over the place that, especially in military bases, uh, where you're able to refill your ammo, and depending on the chest, you're able to swap out, but you're also able to bring in weapons pretty much at will, which is, well, the change that I kind of actually like. So in the second game, you had the black market where uh, this guy with an outrageous accent, who also shows up in this one, uh, will sell you weapons. Well, uh, he uh, later on in the game, you find out that he's actually been on your side the entire time, but he's still selling your weapons at an extremely high price. So if you're wanting to use more powerful stuff, you have to go you know, grind out money, and that was honestly never really any fun. It really kind of killed the pace of the game because the game was always so over the top. It was very easy to lose, particularly vehicles, but you know, just weapons in general. Uh if you found something else that you needed for a short time, you know, like a missile launcher, that sort of thing, it kind of uh, put a little bit of a snag on that particular system. Well, that has been replaced with the rebel drop system where you have a certain number of beacons and flares. Uh, beacons allow you to bring in one uh, primary weapon, one secondary weapon, one special weapon, 
and a vehicle or any combination of those. So if you only need a vehicle, you just bring out a vehicle and you could replenish your beacons at particular spots that as you also do side objectives or side uh, little encounters also start popping up more and more across the map in flares is your fast travel currency where uh, just to cover that real quick where you uh, can just quickly travel across the map but it's free to jump anywhere but leaving an area that is not under your influence costs a flare and as you gain more and more gears in the travel aspects of the game uh, by doing various missions I believe that one is actually the wingsuit doing wingsuit challenges it uh, unlocks the ability to carry more and more flares. But I do like how they changed the black market to the Rebel Drop system where uh, there's just things on a timer now. So if you uh, ask for a tank, it takes them a while to procure another tank. But you can always just ask for something else if you have another beacon. So it makes it so that it feels a little bit better and you don't feel as tied to things and also the gear system uh, this is the one place where the upgrade system works is that uh, the it also upgrades the uh, the items that you get in drops so you could have a tank with nitrous nice yeah and that's been fun and that's something that I've been using quite a bit actually uh, but uh <sighs> driving laws outside of the heavier vehicles everything feels a little too arcadish like I'm playing like a a gameplay from a Playstation 1 game when I'm I'm driving it feels like a severe downgrade from the uh, second game's driving mechanics and I haven't really been able to put my finger on why if it's just yeah it it feels too simplified or what but it also feels like they're de-emphasizing the uh the use of vehicles for travel and just using fast travel everywhere or just, you know, uh, flying squirrel everywhere once you get some altitude with the parachute. Because, uh, you know, you're able to blow up bridges, which really throws a wrench into traveling some places, especially if you want to keep a car. But then they have this whole, you know, kind of schizophrenic thing going where you also are uh, told to go collect cars for the rebels by bringing uh, different cars to a garage. Uh, very GTA-esque, actually. You know how GTA always has the uh, import-export uh, mission? Yeah. Uh, that's in this game. Where uh, only it's uh, in pretty much every liberated town. There's three different categories. There's uh, uh, military bases, military outposts, and towns. Towns pretty much always has a garage. And usually a few uh, uh, added uh, challenges uh, attached to it. Uh, Military outposts are usually uh, for weapons and uh, beacon slash flare upgrade or uh, refills. While military bases... uh, also have uh, challenges attached to them. Sometimes outposts do as well, but also uh, usually have some sort of military vehicle that's uh, added to the rebel drop uh, system. But overall, I have been having fun with it. 
uh, there are some things I would like to uh, see change. The the game does bug out at times. Like, uh, well, just earlier today, I was playing, I was, uh, you know, liberating the fuck out of a military base. And this particular military base had a commander that you had to take out after you took out so much of the uh, base itself. Uh, the military commander would show up and, you know, you would have to kill him in order to uh, finish off the base. Well, he shows up in a helicopter. Well, this is just call. So what am I going to do? I'm going to grab the helicopter and blow him up with it. Well, you're not supposed to do that. And because I grabbed him out of the helicopter, he actually fell through the world. And I had to leave the area and come back and then just blow up the helicopter instead of you know, doing it the more stylish way. Which is a little disappointing. And, yeah, that doesn't feel very just cause. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, times that the game does some odd things. Uh, uh, there's times that it just feels like it didn't expect you to be able to do that, uh, especially uh, latching onto an airplane. I've done that. Uh, and it, <laughs> it takes you a while to reel in because it feels like it's very, you know, Looney Tunes-esque and draws you out because it doesn't really want to catch up the momentum very well. Uh, but overall, I am having fun with it. Uh, maybe I would have a little bit more fun with the driving if I go to uh, uh, gamepad controls, but... Uh, oh, that's something else, is that the game does have a forced auto... Uh, uh, auto, or, or sorry, not auto-aim, but aim assist. And for some of the heavy weapons... It just feels like it uh, makes things even worse. Uh, one of the first upgrades you get just by doing one of the uh, gun ranges, which my add with the mouse and keyboard is, you know, drop dead easy, is uh, the ability to essentially zoom in and disable aim assist uh, for a short time. Which uh, really helps, especially with uh, some more pinpoint weapons, you know, like the snipers. DLC uh, is, I would say, not really required, except for maybe the sto- uh, the additional mission stuff. It does offer you some early stuff, uh, like a, a goddamn mech. But nice. Uh, the the mech isn't amazing. It's uh, it has missiles on it, but it also has a gravity gun, and the gravity gun can sometimes do wonky shit. <laughs> Um, it's, but it's not bad. I mean, I'm not sure if I would pl- uh, buy it uh, separately for five bucks, but since I got it, uh, as part of the ultimate edition or whatever it was, the, uh, the Just Cause XXL edition, it, you know, it was, I think, worthwhile picking up. Uh, but, uh, overall, I would say just the mission-based stuff is likely all you really need. Mm-hmm. But I haven't quite gotten to the mission stuff yet. Or to the additional mission areas, I should say, because I'm just really kind of wrapping up the first island. Uh, the first area is like two main islands, and I've done the first one. And they do kind of uh, do a... Uh, a... Uh, uh, semi-hard wall where if you attack the main command post on the first island uh, it has a special like uh, not quite orbital weapon but you know, 
off-map weapon that will just pound the ever-living fuck out of you. And no, Jared, not in the good way. Wink. Uh, but uh, you have to kind of uh, liberate the fuck out of the rest of the island, or a good chunk of the island, in order to unlock a mission to be able to disable it. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to be in for a hard time. I'm not sure if you'd be able to do it, or if, uh, you know, there's something else that would prevent you, but, yeah, you know, I just went, you know, goofed off with the rest of the stuff. But overall, like I said, I have enjoyed it. That's probably going to be one of my games I pick up and play every so often just to give, uh, you know, blow off some steam and liberate the fuck out of some people. And it is a lot more gamified than it was uh, in the second one, where the second one wasn't taking things seriously. This time they're not taking it seriously at all, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I yeah. mean, they they literally tell you to grapple, uh, hookshot the ground, essentially, to prevent fall damage. Which was a trick that you could eventually learn yourself in the second one. This time they're just, uh, you know, embracing it. So, Which I approve of. Yeah. There's not enough games that are like, hey, let's just be dumb and silly and fun. Like, I, there's not also nothing wrong with serious games. I don't mean that, but it's, you know, it feels like so often games are like, oh, we're not going to do this fun thing because then it won't be realistic enough. Okay, sure. Uh, I caught some of that at least. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, one thing I didn't talk about is the random encounters where uh, this kind of replaces all the side missions that you really get. Uh, otherwise, it's just, you know, uh, just a string of the main missions. And these are, can happen pretty much any time. So, like, I had one pop up while I was in the middle of liberating the fuck out of a military outpost. Where uh, something happens and Rico needs to go uh, deal with it. It could be something simple like a, a resistance member... Uh, Goes, their car ran out of gas and they just need to tow to the local gas station. So you yeah, grapple to a car or you just actually pull it with your grapple and pull them to the uh, 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 gas station. Others may be a gate stuck or there may be a rebel force that is being pinned down and uh, you have to go help them. Or there's a convoy that's uh, under attack and you have to go save them. Or it could be something as simple as uh, uh, there's a uh, mole in the organization and you have to hijack a limousine to go pick them up and then murder them to uh, be able to stop the leak of uh, information. And they're pretty varied. Uh, sometimes I'll get the same one pop up within like half an hour of each other. Uh, but they all offer chaos points, which uh, I'm not sure if there's anything that happens at certain milestones in it or not. But it also uh, eventually unlocks, depending on the mission and where you are, uh, more beacon and flare uh, reload up uh, uh, points that uh, you're able to use the rebel drop system more often. And if you're in an area that you haven't taken control of, have yet, it's good to have a flare to be able to uh, get out of there if need be, to or just have a point in the area where you could drop in and then fast travel to somewhere else in that area and still be able to reuse your flare without having to take the long way back. So, yeah, that is nice. And 
and sometimes those do do wacky shit as well. Like uh, there's been times that they've acted like, you know, they're under fire whenever I've already killed everyone. Or whenever the one star stars uh, drop down too far and the game doesn't quite know what to do there. Because, yeah, I took care of everyone up too quickly for the wanted stars to make it so that everything starts respawning. It almost feels like at times that the game is kind of confused if you're too good at it. Which sounds like I'm really patting myself on the back there, doesn't it? But uh, maybe it's just, you know, you know, mouse and keyboard versus gamepad where if I'm doing things too quickly, the game uh, gets a little confused at times. It's not something that I want to knock it completely on because the wacky nature of the game it kind of fits. But at the same time, you know, I did knock Skyrim for being a buggy piece of shit. I guess the difference is that, you know, just because it's not a piece of shit, it's just a blow up uh, uh, sandbox game. Mm-hmm. I guess context, right? Yeah. I'm definitely going to be playing it. I mean, I don't exactly know when. Divinity 2 is like the first thing that I got to finish. And then I got other Steam Cell stuff to play more. And then you got me that. But I mean, I'm more looking forward to it than than not. I, well, that's a weird way to say it. I'm definitely looking forward to playing it. And you haven't like made me feel like it's not something I would enjoy. So Yeah, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, do you think you may eventually want to get uh, the XXL edition, which I think is a complete your, your edition uh, thing, so it will be a pretty cheap pickup. Uh, if, uh, nice. Uh, like I said, it was I think it was five bucks uh, total. It was like five or six bucks. You know, it wasn't exactly breaking the bank there. So uh, I think it would be something that you would enjoy, uh, especially just, you know, getting them back and just rampaging around, especially in the early times whenever you don't have a lot of military stuff in your rebel drop system yet. And there are times that the games uh, uh, has some intentional humor, like uh, in uh, in order to complete the uh, import export uh, mission, you have to uh, fill out various types of cars and one is like utility vehicles and one is a tractor and you and you bring that in and they just say uh rico you know that's a tractor right (laughs) nice but they still use it so hmm. so i guess you know uh the rebels need tractors all along well everybody needs a little tractor now and then get a little redneck up in there well, they are pretty far south oh. from what I can tell. It is the tropics. Touche. Cool. Well, the other game I'm going to talk about for this week is a lot, a lot shorter to talk about. Um, it's a game called Transroad USA. It's a transportation, uh, I guess, tycoon type game, specifically about managing a trucking company. Um. It's got a free play mode. It's also got a story mode where you and your trucking buddy get fired by the, like, the big corporate meanie. And so you start your own company, and you're going to be bigger and better than him one day and make all the money. Um, it's not a bad game, but the thing is, is I've played so many better transport tycoon-type games, 
that it didn't really have anything that stood out to me. Um, it's got a, a, a little bit of a weird system for creating, um, or for, for getting jobs. Since you're essentially an independent trucking company, you have to manage each and every one of your, uh, drivers, um, in your trucks and set them up on routes and find regular jobs for them as you sort of, I was going to say level up, but you know, as your company grows in size and you get more drivers and more locations and things, eventually you build up a reputation with either cities or companies or things like that. And you can set up automatic jobs or, or not automatic recurring jobs so that you can just stick a truck or two on an automatic job. Um, that way they're going to be consistently, uh, turning out income for you. But for every single city as you expand across the U.S. and for every company that exists in the game, you've got to do this for. And until that happens, you wind up having to micromanage one or maybe two drivers at a time to build up those reputations. And it, it's it's kind of tedious. Um, I was just starting to get some recurring sort of contract-based jobs that I could assign one of my four drivers to. Uh, and keep them running. Um, the game doesn't do a very good job with sort of tooltips and explaining a couple of things to you. Um, right away, it's like, hey, get a second driver and a second truck and uh, assign them to stuff. And you're like, okay, great. And you buy the truck and you hire the driver. And then you can't assign the, the driver to the truck. And it's like, it, it's telling you like, Go to your depot, but the link for the depot takes you to the HQ instead of the actual depot. And there's another button you have to press that's like in the HQ to to pull up the depot for the first time, and then it shows up on um, just right there on the HUD um, where you can access it quicker. But you know it doesn't tell you that the first time, so it took me probably an extra twenty minutes to get my second truck running. And then by the time I, I was done, I had, like I said, four trucks, and I built up a good reputation with a couple of the companies in the game. All the cities are real because uh, it's using a map of the U.S., but all of the companies are fake. So it was like, you know, uh, like Baltimore Furniture something or other um, that I had built up a reputation with. It does do things like different trailers and different truck types, and initially you start with just like a dry... Um, a dry trailer, dry goods trailer, which can transport, you know, a, a wide variety of simple goods. Um, later you can get like refrigerated trailers and flatbeds and car haulers and specialty, um, contracts. And you can get, you know, two axle trucks, three axle, four axle trucks, um, and, you know, different, um, sizes and all of those and different power ratings and all this jazz and and there's a there is a little system for being like okay your truck can pull this fine or it can pull it but it has some kind of penalty because the load is is too heavy um and then you know your truck can't pull this at all it's way too heavy or it can't actually support that much weight like you know there's systems in place for that I think it's also got like truck maintenance and fuel costs and things like that, but I feel like that's pretty randomized because you'll see two models of the same truck um, every once in a while whenever the dealership refreshes. 
And it's like, oh, well, this model is the exact same as this one, but for some reason this one only needs maintenance every 20,000 miles, and this one needs it every 10. Or this one has a fuel efficiency of like 7 miles to the gallon, and this one has like 4, but they're the same truck. So I don't know. You can buy secondhand trucks and then brand new trucks, and that might have something to do with it, but it just feels kind of random. And so sometimes I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go buy a new truck. And then it would just be nothing that I could afford or nothing that was like, well, I mean, I could afford that, but I don't need this type of truck. I need this one. Or I want a truck that gets more than five miles to the gallon or something like that. And it just felt a little random. So, I mean, it, it's not bad. I, I know I'm basically only talking about negative things, um, but it genuinely is not a bad game. And if for some reason, um, you know, well, for some reason, you know, if your personal preference is trucking versus um you know trains or a more fully flushed out game that has multiple things to it or if you would rather have something that's at least somewhat based in the real world because like i said this uses a map of the united states and major cities within the united states you know if one of those two things is um sort of more important to you or a bit a bigger focus for you then this is not a bad game, but when it comes to these type of transportation manager or tycoon games, there's just a, so many better ones out there. And I, I'm not going to be talking about it this week because I haven't put enough time into it, but probably next week I'm going to be talking about, well, no, next week is the Game Club, or not Game Club, the VGL Awards, right? Hello? Uh, well, it sounded like you were mid-sentence. Like I said, it's been hard for me to understand what the hell you've been talking about at times. I said uh, next week we're doing the VGL Awards, right? Yeah, uh, I didn't hear right. Yeah. So. So yeah, we're probably going to have to tackle weeks, Discord uh, uh, when we're having some downtime. Probably in two weeks, I will t- be talking about Transport Fever Two, which is vastly superior to this overall. So. You know, it's not bad, but there's a lot better of these types of games. So, you know, if for some specific reason you you would rather have this, then go for it. It's worth it. But if you're just looking for the best sort of transportation management game that you can get, skip over this one and go for something else. Oh, all righty then. So my last one, at least for now, I do have two others I could talk about as well. But yeah, we're already running a little bit long. Is holy potatoes where in space? So this is a sequel to Holy Potatoes: A Weapon Shop, which I actually never played. I watched a few videos on, and it didn't seem like my thing. It seemed like it was more just kind of just sit there and watch it do its thing. But this one is a little bit more active. It's in the rogue like genre with some. Uh, uh, strategy and a little bit of RPG in it as well. So you are a pair of sisters who are trying to recapture your kid or re- uh, uh, return your kidnapped uncle or sorry your ki- your kidnapped grandfather from the uh, what was it, the empire? Try to remember exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's it's it's. I think it, it's the Empire. Yeah, it plays very last uh, loose and uh, fast with its story. It has a story, but it's kind of an overarching story with a lot of 
subquest and a lot of humor in it. So the big thing about this game is that it does not take itself very seriously as well, much like Just Calls, where uh, there's a, a, a each chapter essentially is broken down into a galaxy. And once you complete the main story, you can move on to the next galaxy. But it's also like FTL, where if you take too long, the Empire catches up with you. Because you're trying to find your uh, grandfather to take down the Empire. But the Empire is also chasing you with their big, you know, badass battleship. And if they catch up with you, they're pretty much going to murder us you. So, you're trying to find a way to take them down before they catch you and kill you. And you have just so many days uh, in each system to do that, to essentially complete your quest there, to move on to the next one. And I've had a Ghostbusters-esque mission. I've had uh, Phantom of the Opera. I've had Pokemon to show up uh, a couple of times. I've had Doctor Who to show up. I've had uh, anime references galore. I've had uh, you know pretty much uh, any pop culture you could think of. There's some sort of uh, thing about it. I've had Pokemon show up. Uh, Saitama from One Punch Man uh, showed up. Only they called him One Pun Man, but it was obviously Saitama. And everything, everyone nice. is uh, an edible. There, uh, yeah, potatoes, onions, carrots, broccoli. I had Judge Dredd show up, but he was Judge Spud. <laughs> uh, trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, there was a few references that I didn't get, which I may just be, you know, I was over my head. Like I said, the doctor shows up a couple times. He hands you an object that says, oh, wait, uh, this is the first time I met you, but not the first time you, uh, you met. Or, sorry, this is the first time you met me, but not the first time I've met you. So here, hold on this object to give it to me later. <laughs> and you're just, huh? <laughs> and, like I said, it's it does take some uh, severe influence from FTL. Or, I think it came out after FTL, at least. FTL's been a few years old now. Where uh, each area has various encounters that you can take, uh, and they play out in different ways. But the combat is actually kind of interesting where you're essentially there taking turns and punching one another. But it's... The, the combat, I think, is kind of the weakest point for me, at least for right now. But it may just be because I think I screwed up early in my, in my run. I did not spend enough time exploring the few opening areas... And I fell behind on the amount of money I had, so I wasn't doing my research as much as I should have. I wasn't leveling up my crew as much as I should have. Because all the crew members that you get have various skills they can, they get, that they can have. That You start off with two crew, uh, uh, well, two skills per crew member, but they can have up to four if they spend time training. Uh, if they are in a weapon that blows up, which can be targeted uh, individually from your ship. Uh, they get traumatized, and you have to put them uh, essentially in counseling <laughs> and let them, uh, you know, work it out. Otherwise, if you put them on another weapon, uh, that weapon has a debuff. Either it takes more energy to use, or uh, has a lesser attack power, or something along those lines. So, 
I think I, uh, the uh, the combat I'm not as qualified to talk about just because I've been struggling a little bit because I didn't I, I explore enough. But overall, you have a charge that you build up based on your ship's reactor that you could level up uh, independently, uh, which is used to channel energy into one of up to four different weapons, depending on your ship's level and upgrades. And different weapons do different things. Like there's a hopscotch, which uh, has uh, damage jump from one area to another, dealing less and less damage on each jump. Uh, there's essentially uh, scrap, uh, uh, shrapnel weapons, which are essentially shotguns and hit uh, just five random hits. Uh, there's lasers that are uh, pinpoint uh, accurate, but only hit one item. There's proton weapons that will drop shields quickly, which shields can only protect one item or the ship's hull. But you can also see where the enemy is targeting to try to mitigate that damage. Uh, but it is a very, very interesting game, and it's a lot deeper than what uh, Item Shop Tale seemed to be, which is why I picked it up, and I've been enjoying it. It's just I'm not far enough to give more than my first impressions and I think I'm going to go back and probably restart to just see what I get because I know at least some of the chapters have different options or different uh, uh, options to play through so I may not get the Ghostbusters one next time I may get a different one or I may not get uh, particular encounters in the order I did and that's kind of the fun of the roguelite of just seeing what you get. I know you played this one before, right? Yeah, it's been about a year since I've played it. So there's a lot of it that I don't remember. Um, and there's several of these Holy Potatoes games. And generally they're very different, but some of the mechanics get mixed up in my brain for them. So, I mean, obviously, you know, this one is space combat as opposed to uh, sort of fantasy RPG style combat, but mm. and everything space themed, but you know, crafting and building and selling and the different actual mechanics. Like some of them get a little yeah, yeah. It uses head. a day system, sort of like uh, uh, the jumps in FTL, where everything is built uh, that you craft and uh, uh, research and that sort of thing. It takes so many days or souls, so. Uh, if you uh, and each time you travel, it's one day. So if you're building something that takes two days, you have to move two times or you know, wait two times. If you're researching that takes uh, that takes usually three or four, uh, it takes quite a while, and you may not get through it in one particular galaxy. Particularly if you hit a short chapter, and different chapters seem to, or sorry, different galaxies seem to have different lengths. So. Uh, one I had had a limit of 15. Then the next one had a limit of like 10. Then the next one had a limit of 25. And I'm not sure if that's arbitrary or if all the options for those particular stages of my progression have that same limit. But it, it has been interesting. Uh, you know, it's been cute. I'm a little concerned about replayability after a few playthroughs, 
but I did pick up on picked it up for fairly cheap, so that's not too bad. I'm not sure if it's worth the fifteen dollar asking asking price though. I would say definitely wait for a sale. I definitely agree with that part. Wait for a sale. I enjoyed it, but I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I said like I don't I think I got a review copy for it. And I said I didn't feel like it was worth the price that they were asking for it, but it's not bad. And you could enjoy it if you got it on a sale. Yeah, you know, like uh, their, uh, their, I think this is their latest one, is a cooking show that inhale. It's essentially a Japanese uh, Iron Chef-esque cooking show, only it happens in hell. <laughs> nice. It has um, some pretty bad reviews. Uh, the other one, I've mentioned uh, the item shop tale, is a spa story. It's stealth. A spy story, yeah. Which I have a spy story. I got a review code for that, and I haven't played it. Yeah, I see some definite references. I mean, that's obviously Spider-Man. That's that's Spike Spiegel from uh, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Link. Uh, One of the Assassin's Creed characters. Can't really tell which one just from the look of them, because they pretty much all look the same. I think it's Altair, the one from the very first Assassin's Creed game. Which would make sense, but yeah. Uh, essentially, yeah, they're... And it's also rated pretty poorly. Oh, no, this is the latest one, the uh, Spy Story. Uh, it's 2018, so they're probably due to release another one if they're working on one. I mean, like I said, not bad. It's definitely more worthwhile if you pick it up on sale. Mm-hmm. I'll probably toy around with it some more as well. Uh, but then again, yeah, I did have other things to play. But are we ready for that transition? Indeed. Let's move on to our game club. Hopefully, whatever our issues with Discords are holds holds up. Yeah, I mean, it's just because I've been really bad at Tom's. Yeah, you're you're choppy too. Listening to you describe it, it sounds like mine is worse, but I mean, sometimes I'm having a hard time understanding you uh, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, we're gonna have to figure that out or come up with the alternate memes if necessary. We'll we'll muddle through for the rest of tonight. Um, so, Game Club. Game Club is a game, well, is a time where Rage and I play the same game at the same time. And talk about it, because often we have different tastes in games, or even when we like the same game, we play it at different times. See, uh, so, oh, I was going to say, see, uh, holy potatoes, we're in space. Indeed. So, for the month of December, which we're getting to in this first recording of January. Like we always because do. Because of Christmas and New Year. Indeed. We played My Time at Portia which we thought it was pronounced Portia before we played the game. And in my opinion, that's a better title, Portia, as opposed to Portia. But whatever. Yeah, my time in Portia sounds like a racing game. It does, yeah. And this is definitely not that. Yeah, uh, so... My time in Portia, this is a open world... Well, the Steam... uh, uh, tags have it as a farming sim, but that's an outright law. Uh, it is a building sim, actually, <laughs> where 
you manage a item shop or a uh, or should say a essentially a blacksmith uh, shop and you fill out orders you get to know the town you go exploring and it's a lot more free form than i would say stardew valley <coughs> it would probably be the more contemporary yeah. uh, uh comparison these days i mean i definitely see yeah. uh, comparisons to stardew valley when you say freeform, what do you mean by that? Uh, as in, go do whatever you want. It, you do get missions, but if you completely ignore them, uh, they do eventually get done, and the story continues. Which I found out uh, that it does happen because I assume that uh, the, the other dudes yeah the other shops them. the other shops uh, start taking uh, taking care of it, which is an interesting way to handle it, right? I actually, yeah, but I, I, like I actually that. looked into that uh, uh, towards the end of my playtime with it, uh, or I should say, yep, before we talked about it, because I do think this is going to be another one that I'm going to keep playing. This was uh, on the Game Pass, so yeah, we got it as part of our subscriptions to just uh, toy around with, and it's been an interesting time. Uh. I, like I said, I did look into it, and eventually, if you completely ignore story quests, they do get done. So, there is some sort of progression always going on. It's just, it's a lot slower. Like, for example, uh, I, it, well, I didn't do uh, the DD stops right away. Because, well, I hit a certain, a certain point of the story... When I was low on resources, I had to go mine for actually several days to be able to get resources. And I think that's also why our stores are out of sync. But it also is really interesting that uh, because I didn't do certain things uh, as quickly, my time frame has slipped so that you're getting uh, story events happening a lot sooner in your time frame. But they're still in order. As far as I could tell, at least. Yeah, well, um, we talked about this Sunday. Yeah. Just kind of comparing. And we're both pretty close to one another on the calendar. We're both in the middle of summer. I, I, well, I, I'm in the middle of summer, and you're kind of in the beginning yeah, of summer. Yeah, I'm in, I think I'm on like the second or third day of summer. So you're you're like a week behind me, but I am three or four story quests ahead of you. Yeah, which... Just because I didn't hit yeah. the same sort of problem you did, I guess, and yeah. so I was doing yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's just I didn't, uh, I didn't mine as much. So I was low on resources whenever... I, it was the quest right before the DDs. So I went and realized I was low resources, so I mined like a madman for like a week. So I have like... 400 iron ore that's being processed which uh, mm -hmm. things are processed in a certain amount of time so one uh, iron ore to turn into iron bar is like an hour some uh, game time and there's only so many hours at a day so you know it's all my forges are going to be going 24 7 pretty much uh, for and there's also only so many items you can queue up in a forge, and you get larger forges as you go. Yeah, but even they still have limits. So yeah, which I'm I still kept my original four forges, 
uh, to just uh, work out through the lower level stuff like prawns and stuff and left the big forges for more important stuff. Even though the big forges do have a slight bonus to you processing the older stuff, I didn't want to rebuild uh, or tear down the old ones and have fewer forges. Uh, it seemed like a, a net negative to me. Yeah, I've got two of everything. So, you know, of the bottom tier of forges, I've got two. And then the tier two of forges, I have two. And then the tier three, I have two. And then I, that's just, the same goes for the... See, I have even... Um, uh, I was just starting to unlock the tier three stuff as well. Uh, yeah. And, and I... And I'm not sure if that's because... I didn't rush any of the research either. But I've also went a couple of days where I forgot to turn in more discs. Because, like I said, I was busy mining, so I have like 200-some discs... Which is the currency yeah, you turn and, into for research, but also uh, to give to the church to destroy to get crops and stuff if you want to go farming. Yeah, which I want to talk about that in a minute. But initially, I wasn't boosting things, but I got so many discs. I mean, I've got stacks and stacks of discs. I don't. I've got like two hundred and fifty or three hundred. So now I'm just like max rushing everything because it's like I mean I've got all these discs. They're very clearly not a limited resource, so. You know, I'm just turning them in as as fast as I can for research bonuses or boosts. Um, but yeah, so this game, story wise, it hits all of the I guess sort of high points that you think of for this type of game. Um, you know, there's the you know the the festivals you go to and the events and the mini games. Well, I was going to say can... also the inheriting of a farm. Yeah, inheriting of a farm. Or workshop um, in this case. Or, well, not... Yeah, workshop. The inheriting of a thing. Um, you know, you inherit, inherit the thing. You can build relationships with people. Almost everyone in the game is romanceable. And by any anybody. So, same-sex relationships. Everybody's cool with that. Um, well, it is the future. Characters. It is. There are a, a few characters that are not like the the grandma. She's not romanceable. At least with that attitude. The mayor's not romanceable. There, there's some other people who are already married that you can't romance. But everybody who's single and is not a child can be romanced. Yeah, essentially everyone like your age bracket because uh, the children you can't also romance. Sorry, it's the future, but they're not that progressive. Yeah. So. Um, there, there's all of those things, but what? And you were the one who who told me about this initially. What I one of the things that I find so interesting about this is that it's a post-apocalyptic game. Um, there was some kind of a, of apocalyptic event that yeah, resulted they, yeah, in yeah they uh, uh, lean towards it being a nuclear winter because they talk about bringing the sun back and uh how uh it was dark for so long and and some uh, i believe uh the grandmother's sophie's uh, uh grandmother or great grandmother uh well used to live in a bunk or they they didn't say bunker but they said underground and there was very little food and there was a lot of people there so you're able to kind of piece together okay world war 3 happened we blew ourselves up and essentially did a reset on civilization yeah, so you're rebuilding from the, I almost said ashes, but that's not right. A lot of things in the world and in nature have recovered, 
But um, it, I just think that's fascinating, a fascinating concept for one of these types of games. It gives a more full context for what you're doing instead of just being like, well, randomly I'm going to quit my job and start a new life. It's like, no, you're you know part of this sort of trade guild that goes around, or builder's guild that goes around and establishes facilities in, in various cities, and uh, you build them up, you work on them, and sometimes people move on, sometimes they stick around. Like your your father was the one who had the shop before, and he's moved on and gave you the shop. But it, I just think that that's really cool. And it gives context for the neat little like ruins and things that you find. It's like, oh, they're ruins of the old world. Well, well, and not just that. Like, they're the relics of the old world that you find. And they sometimes uh, throw a little <coughs> bit of humor in it. Like one time I found a toilet. And they weren't quite sure what it was, and they were trying to figure out, okay, well, uh, maybe it's something that you washed your hair in <laughs> back in the old, older times. Or there was a, a, a racket. Uh, i trying to think of some of the other things that I found recently. Uh, r- randomly, I've got several couches. And it's just, it has this, the post-apocalyptic feel, but it doesn't feel dreary like a lot of post-apocalyptic yeah. games do it doesn't feel like uh yeah the we blew ourselves up the world has gone to shit this is several generations after the fact after the uh, nature has recovered and it feels very optimistic but then there's this kind of almost fight between the church and the technologists trying oh no i shouldn't say almost there is a fight between them because the Church of Light is very leery of new technology and technology being dug up. And they actively destroy it because we blew ourselves up once. And they don't know what actually happened because that knowledge has been lost. Even though you kind of piece it together you know, somewhat. And they're leery of that, so they're actively destroying stuff. While the researchers are trying to figure out what happened to prevent that from happening again. And there's this conflict that I haven't gotten far enough into the game to be able to really tell if one side is right or not. Or if they leave it ambiguous and just let you do your own thing and t- and, and draw your own conclusions. And I kind of hope they do that where, you know, it, you know, there's not a right or wrong side. Both of them are right, but both of them are wrong. Yeah, so far, I haven't, there's not been really, like, a clear, like, aha, this is what we're supposed to believe is correct. Um, I mean, granted, there's still a lot of story left for me to go through, too, even though I'm a little bit ahead of you. But it's still mostly just events happen, and one or, yeah, and you know, for, both yeah, sides now will comment. Uh, yeah, and for now, it's also just building up the city as well, or building up the town yeah. that you're uh, in. Like uh, putting in a fast travel network or uh, checking out you know, what's going on with this rash of thefts that's been going on, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so far it hasn't like said, like, we think you should believe this. And it hasn't been I mean, preaching it, you know, either. It could, but yeah. Which I was surprised. I mean, my initial response was like, well, fuck the church. I want all that knowledge. But, you know, as I've spent more time learning about the characters in the world. I'm like, okay, I disagree, but I could see why they would feel this way. 
Yeah, and the world feels a lot more connected with itself, partly because it is all just one map. And it's just as you progress through the story, more options for travel unlock and more bridges and that sort of thing happens or it gets built. But uh, there's just the little things like all the characters actively walk from one place to another. Which sounds you know, kind of silly to make it feel like it's connected, but because it's one big map, they're not going through map transitions, and you're not, and you're just having to have to catch them on the map transition. Uh, they walk to and from festivals, even though it is a little silly that they all uh, you know kind of walk pretty much in a single file, you know, like they're same people or sorry, oh uh, 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 yeah, same people. But yeah, from Star yeah, Wars. Star Wars. But yeah, it's just the, uh, the first time I saw them all walking back to town to you know take a uh, you know go back to their shops and stuff. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, that's neat that they actually actually do that instead of just teleport, which would have been you know kind of the easy option. And then on top of that, well, I like that, but the game also doesn't restrict you, the player, by them not being at their shops. It still is like, okay, I'm a game. And if you need something, you shouldn't have to wait for somebody to show up to their shop. So they all have some kind of like cash register or something you can interact with and have full access to the shop, even if the person is not there to manage. Well, I just t- so I like I that. I just kind of took it as kind of like the honor system. This town is small enough that everybody knows everybody. So, you know, they know that, you know, or you know them well enough that you don't want to cheat them. Uh, and everybody just leaves their doors unlocked uh, during uh, shop hours, no matter what, if they're there or not. At least that's my headcanon of why they do it, you know? But also, well, that's fair. also speaking, uh, also speaking of uh, social, uh, you know, the social network system is something I hadn't seen in other games like this, where uh, different characters are connected to one another through kind of, uh, it's usually through a f- uh, family uh, ties. So, if you're making friends with a, uh, uh, let's say, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, Alice's uh, brother's name. If you're making friend, uh, friends with Alice, who is the local florist, uh, her brother, if you hit a certain milestone with her, her brother also starts to like you a little bit more. Or if you make friends with Mars, the who runs the local weapon shop, uh, weapon and ore shop. Uh, his wife will like you a little bit more. If you make fun uh, friends with Sophie, who uh, runs the uh, the grandma that uh, is uh, running the uh, farm shop near your uh, workshop, all her grandsons will like you more. And it kind of ties everything together, but it also makes it a lot more sense, you know. Yeah. And also unlocks certain milestones once you get past a certain point. See, I've been friendly with pretty much everyone, so I haven't really focused on anyone. So I have, like, my first page is all one heart, one star, which is the measurement system. If you could romance someone, it's a heart. If it's not, it's a star. Uh, but it's uh, quickly snowballing, where as you build up your skill tree, which is essentially a talent system, think old world of warcraft in the three different um, areas combat trade and social as you build up your skill points there and you uh, get more of the social skills 
it becomes easier to level those up without having to resort to just grabbing everyone uh, like you do in Stardew Valley. Just talking to someone gives you a little bit of rep- of uh, social standing with them. You can beat the ever-living fuck out of them, and some people like fighting you, some people don't. Some of the more combat-focused characters uh, like fighting, and they'll like you for winning or losing. Some uh, will like you only if you win uh, or lose, depending on how they feel. And it feels very organic. And I really like that. Yeah. And as you, I and as you uh, go up through the social standings with them, you're able to go on dates with them. You can just go on play dates. Uh, you can uh, play rock, paper, scissors. You can play connect four with some of them. And it's uh, a lot of fun. And there's a lot of variants as well. You can go to the bar and play a bunch of mini games for uh, items as well. Uh, just play the slot machines. <laughs> play darts, which honestly I found the dart game to be dead simple. Yeah, the dart game's really easy yeah. to just, to get you know highest score in. Yeah. Uh. But and that's I think that's probably the downside of this game is it feels like all the little mini games for all the different activities are kind of half baked. Will you agree with that one? Um, uh, the fishing mini game uh, is uh, feels like it's lacking something, but I can't quite put my finger on what. Maybe it's just uh, it's a little too easy with mouse and keyboard. I don't. I don't really spend all that much time fishing. I have. It doesn't feel so. I don't. I've never spent a lot of time fishing in most of these games. I I like Stardew's better, but I haven't felt like this one is lacking. And as for the mini games, I don't feel like they're half baked because it's. I mean, they are mini games. Yeah, no, it's you just know, I've played each of them. For... Uh, it, well, to me, it should require some sort of skill. In uh, the fishing game, it's uh, literally just uh, move the mouse back and forth and keep the circle on the fish, which uh, is somewhat similar to how Stardew does it. But it, uh, Stardew introduces a little bit of timing because it's essentially a Flappy Bird esque game, and as you skill up, uh, it becomes easier and easier. While this there's no skill atta- or skill number attached to it, so it may just be tool based, and I just never bothered uh, uh, equipping a better fishing rod because honestly, outside of getting an extremely rare and valuable fish, I never lost a fish. So maybe it just feels like there's no need to progress because it's all too easy. And like we said, the dart game was also very simple. It's just a, it's a rotating dartboard. And if you have just, you know, even a modicum of uh, decent timing, which sure hope you do for the combat, we'll get to that. Uh, then you're able to max out the score every time. And then, you know, it's just a matter of grinding out to get whatever you want out of the uh, uh, item shop from there. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just too easy. I do. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's a problem. I do like the connect. I do really like the connect four. Yeah, game. the connect four. I did have trouble with, but that also. And, and I. But that's also kind of a you know an odd one as well. I accidentally spent an entire day playing connect four with Isaac, because I didn't realize how much time passed, and I'm like, I'm gonna beat this fucker, and so I'm like, play, 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 and finally I just like gave up, and I'm like, oh, it's dark. 
So I, I spent an entire day playing Connect Four with Isaac. Yeah, which that's the only minigame I had trouble with. Um, so combat, that's probably the next place to go with it. Yeah, uh, I didn't do a ton that a of combat, but uh, when it did pop up, it once again, once you got down the pattern, the, okay, let's go here. Let's uh, let's do this. This is the Dark Souls of uh, Stardew Valley. There. Done. We don't have to do that anymore. Okay. <laughs> Where. Right. You, but you see that now, don't you? This is the Dark Souls of Farming Sims, where uh, the combat is a lot of uh, timing-based, uh, uh, learning the patterns of a, of a particular boss. It's not it's not as difficult as uh, you know, any uh, Soulsborne game, but at the same time, you know, it's not exactly something that you could just you know, easily just uh, hack and slash into. You have to have a little bit of uh, uh, timing and learn the patterns or you're going to have a bad time or just out level everything. Well, yes and no. So for the basic combat, you don't really have to do that. Well, I'm talking bosses. Everything. I was for the bosses. So, OK, so I'm going to talk about uh, something that is like one or two quests after yours mm-hmm. where you're at. Um just briefly. So I got dumped into a, a combat focused mission by, I mean, I just didn't realize that that's what it was going to do. Like there's a thing, you have to go fix it. Um, you fix the thing and there's like an explosion and it knocks you and another character, one of the, like the town guards into the sewer system. And you wind up having to fight a bunch of rat men. And then you fight the rat King. Uh, in the sewers. And I had no, like, energy restoring items. Um, so, basically, I was having to, like, run around and kite all the enemies towards the security guard. Who, thankfully, had infinite health. Um, and, like, she, I mean, she could die, but she would, like, just revive right there after a few seconds. And she had to deal with that. And then right before the boss fight, I got some stuff that would let me restore stamina. And also, it gave me, like, a full stamina back. And I'm like, well, how am I going to beat this guy in one go? Like, yes, it's it's not hard. It is pattern, some pattern recognition and getting the timing down. But I just didn't have anything to help me in this fight. And he had a lot of health. And it took me a long time to wear him down. But I, I, I died a couple of times. I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to have to restart. But you don't. It just drops you outside the combat arena. And you can walk in. And you have fully restored health and stamina. And the boss is still at the same health where you're at. So it can certainly be more tedious and time-consuming to fight bosses if you just kind of smash your face against them repeatedly until they die. But there's no penalty for losing in the boss fights. You just respawn and keep going. So. Which. uh, Yes and no. That's why I said that there's no real difficulty at them. It's just you're spending a lot more time doing it. Yeah. But, you know, know, we had to throw the Dark Souls of, uh, you know, at least one time this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, the combat, there is, uh, like, a combat... 
it's not really an arena, but it's like a you unlock it and you can go to it and the it's got increasingly more difficult levels with higher rewards um in the town in like one of the ruins. Um I don't I don't know if you've got that or not yet. No, I don't. Okay. Yeah, you you unlock it and it's got essentially various levels that you can go through and once you complete it you unlock the next level sort of like kind of like a descending dungeon or whatever um and you get various rewards and then you can send the guard in for you like you can pay them and they can get the the same reward so you don't have to do it again you just pay them to go through there yeah well that what that is something is that i haven't uh gotten the tree farm yet but eventually you could get at least some of the more tedious items just by hiring other people and having them uh, farm them for you so you can focus on the more fun stuff, which I actually kind of like, yeah. actually. I do, too. For I already have the city guard, because you, you go to, I, I for the life of me, can't remember what their actual name is, but that's what they are, is the guards. Uh, the you civic can go to their somewhere. office at, yeah, the, the civic dudes. You can go to their office, and they have, like, a bulletin board, and you can place up to three jobs at a time for them to go. Uh, and do, and they can either do the gut dungeon crawl for you to get those rewards, or you can specifically have them farm animal-based materials, so fur, leather, that sort of thing. And then they just show up in the chest outside of your house once the contract is completed. And then the it, the same thing happens with the tree farm. There's a, a series of quests tied to the tree farm that you have to uh, deal with a problem that they have, and then like fix it up. And then you can just go there, and you can put in orders to get would ship to your house. Yeah, that's the other thing is that uh, you could also kind of uh, rush the orders, but for a lot more money if it's tied into the commissions that you uh, need to get done. Which we have even actually talked about what you're actually supposed to be doing to level up your own workshop, and we've been going at this for a while now. That kind of tells you just how yeah. much there is to do in this game. So you are part of the Guild of Workshop uh, Owners, and the local chapter posts jobs for you to do, and they could uh, range from, I believe it's uh, D-class all the way up to S-class. And depending on the level of your workshop is what shows up on the board that you can at least see. And there's four different ones, or up to four different ones that could be posted. And it could be, I need one to ten of certain items. And as you uh, complete them, you get workshop points, which uh, increases your rank in the guild. And at the end of every season, if you're in the top three, you get a bunch of bonus stuff. But it also gives you a bunch of, uh, uh, of uh, relationship points with the people that you fulfill the contracts with. So it's also a possibility to use that to get some social standings with a particular certain someone if you want to get to know them a little bit better. And then during uh, certain missions, the city will actually post additional uh, contracts that you could take on it in addition to the normal ones in order to do something for this main story, like put down DD fast travel spots, which are these motorized uh, uh, rickshaws, actually, or, or sort of a, uh, it's a motorized rickshaw, actually. Uh, that's actually exactly what it is. 
a motorized rickshaw that opens up a free fast travel network. It just costs a little bit of time. Or uh, to put up city lights or to improve the town by, uh, well, this one's given to you directly, but to build a bridge to a little uh, offshoot of an island. That sort of thing. Uh, did I miss anything? Um, not in those early quests. I mean, they, you know, there's more. Yeah. That yeah, and also get as it grows. But yeah, and also every so often a random uh, person will have a side quest that I highly suggest checking out the map every so every day to see if they show up to be able to uh, get to know them a little bit better, maybe learn a little bit more about them. Uh, I had the local farm girl. Uh, come by like two or three times uh, with her chickens that have escaped and help her with those. So my relationship with her improved quite a bit, which in turn uh, improves my relationship with her social uh, network and makes me you know, uh, well-liked, or I should say more-liked around the town. Yeah. When you were talking about the contracts you cut out for a minute... Did you mention that the limitations on how many you can uh, get? No, I didn't. You could only have one of the normal contracts a day. So you choose wisely. But the city ones, you can pick up one at a time, but you can do multiple ones in a day. So, and you could have one of each type. I did mention that. Yeah. And then the side contracts don't count towards that, like, official contract limit so you can get as many of those in a day as there are available yeah like because it's like I those aren't going through the normal guild channels I barely rush through and get as i got four of the five dd contracts myself and completed them which uh really boosted up my workshop so i was able to uh get second place in spring by a significant margin actually start to challenge uh, for first place and got a huge cash infusion, even though I honestly really didn't need it. That's one thing. After about halfway through spring, cash started to become less and less of an issue. So it made uh, kind of an, uh, a system that I really liked in the beginning kind of irrelevant uh, was the uh, changing market prices. I really. Oh, it'll become an issue again. Okay. Once you start upgrading your house and property. Yeah. See, I've uh, I've gotten the first uh, upgrade to the property, and I don't have all my inventory space, but there's three pages of inventory. See, I missed that there was an error there, so I thought there was only one page at first. Yeah, no, there's, I've got a page and a half of inventory. Yeah, I got a page and uh, I think just under half. And this one, uh, yeah, they don't give any uh, explanation, it's just... Uh, pay to unlock the next line. They don't give any story explanation of why your inventory is locked or, you know, like buying a backpack like Stardew does. Which is, yeah. which is you know, kind of meh, but because they're so strong on other aspects, I'm willing to overlook it as just a gameplay design thing. I just like to think I'm getting really buff from all my engineering and farming. But let's face it. You're, and wood you're, you're, you're and down in the mines uh, constantly. I actually, I haven't spent as much time down there. Um, once you get, like, the level 3 pickaxe and the level 3 regular woodcutting axe yeah. and the some of the stuff. perk points, yeah, some of the perk points that go into giving you more resources, 
um, you don't have to spend as much time. Yeah, I'm so typically yeah, I'm what I'll do more limitations on uh, the oddball items like the silicon chips, uh, the circuits. Uh, actually, not the circuits, but uh, yeah, but that sort of uh, yeah individual items instead of uh, resources, uh, raw resources, which you could typically, which you could just buy outright. Yeah, typically what I'll do is I'll spend um do like day on day off. So one day will be all about resource gathering and it'll be wood or it'll be stuff from the mine or it'll be creature harvesting, like whatever I need. And then the next day I'll focus really heavily on completing contracts. And the next day we'll be harvesting another thing and, you know, I'll I'll alternate that. And then typically on Sundays I'll spend all day going around just interacting with people. I mean, I interact with people as much as I can anyways, but like intentionally, like, <clears throat> I go pick out presents that people like, and I devote all of my energy to, you know, rock, paper, scissors, and doing games, and uh, boxing, that sort of thing. Yeah, see, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit more journalist. I'll, I'll do a contract every day, if I can. I will check every day. Uh, on weekends, I do the uh, item inspection. Uh, because that gives the extra items, and that yeah. and that's yeah pretty quick in, in time. I'll, uh, I'll I'll go through and chop a few trees uh, as I run past them, particularly if they're bigger trees. Uh, there's three different sizes of trees, and each one requires a progressively more uh, 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 powerful axe. But if you use a bigger axe on a smaller tree, it could t- chop it in one chop or uh, you know a couple chops. Uh, and I, I'm starting to get to the point where I don't need to chop down the trunk, which, from what I've read, also it speeds up how quickly a tree regrows. But because I'm running six forges, I do go through a lot of wood, as you may imagine. And I'm yeah. keeping those going all the time, so I have to you know, get some wood every day. Uh, I haven't needed to go mining that much recently because I spent like a week uh, every day after doing a contract, just going down in the mine and spending at least half my stamina bar uh, just down in the mine, which that's pretty uh, standard uh, for a game to have a st- you know uh, an endurance bar uh, to limit you in some degree. Uh, what's interesting is we didn't really talk about it is that the game actually has a sliding time scale. You're able to adjust just how long days take. And at the standard speed at 100% actually feels pretty rushed, doesn't it? Yeah, I slowed it down immediately. The slowest it could go is 50%, 50% speed. Yeah, and I'm just... Uh, and that feels right to yeah, me. Yeah, that's why I've been running as well. And whenever we say, okay, we're only through one season... I have 20 hours in the game. Or I have like 21, 22 yeah. hours. Yeah. I've got uh, a closer to 30. Yeah, so, like so it's 27, not... 27, 28. So it may sound like we haven't done a lot. We have. Oh, we have. Yeah, and I mean, there have been a couple of days where I have gone to bed before 9 o'clock. But typically, I mean, your character wakes up at 6 and I spend all day doing stuff. I usually go to the restaurant and eat to get some stamina recovery really cheaply. 
And then depending on what I'm trying to do during the day, you know, I have a bunch of like stamina recovery items and things like that that I can use to get well, stamina see, back. Uh... Sitting and resting can give you gives you stamina back. Like if you just sit in a chair. Well, also if you, you have uh, your house equipped, uh, or certain items give you certain stats, and I have a fair number of uh, endurance items, so that gives me uh, yeah. quite a bit as well. I've got the maximum stamina bar that I can have at this point. Like I'm I'm maxed out on it in character leveling um and then the only thing i can do is as your house goes up in size you can increase the amount of bonuses that you can get for those things but my current house is maxed out on the bonus that i can have for stamina so i can't until i upgrade my house again i can't get any more stamina yeah that is something that i don't like the game game, uh, does pick some odd titles for things like Stamina endurance, and I always get the two confused. So one is the number of items that you could, or the number of actions you could take a day. Uh, like in, uh, well, chopping down trees, mining, but also combat also takes uh, that resource. Then the other is your active item or your active action. So if you dodge roll, that takes a certain amount. If you sprint, that uh, depletes it. Uh, that sort of thing. And I always get uh, backwards, which is which. Yeah, same. But, I mean, I just think of it, you know, in general as stamina. But I'm glad you pointed out the difference, because anyone who hasn't played wouldn't recognize or wouldn't know that there's two different ones. Yeah, and the, the game does obfuscate some things like that, like... It doesn't really talk about why the market value uh, shifts so wildly. So items I've seen go from 70% uh, uh, posted value to 130%. And I'm not sure if that's the maximum or not. Uh, uh, no, actually, I've seen it 136%, sorry. Uh, but it doesn't really get into the why behind it. So... Why does uh, you know, the market fluctuate so wildly? I don't know. It just does. It's, it, it's how it is. It, it is the way. Because reasons. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I would like to see explained a little bit better. Maybe have it where the player's actions take into or take into account as as um, the other workshops because. That is one thing that I like is that the other workshops are active. Uh, as I've been putting down my DD stops, I see the other DD stop, stops getting filled in by the other workshops. Uh, Higgins, that little asshole, got the fifth contract as I was going to grab it. Oh, I fucking hate Higgins. <laughs> yeah. But I do like that they do that. Yeah. You know, It makes it feel like you're living in a world that is living that's mm-hmm. doing its own thing and you're just a part of it so I, I like that system overall um yeah overall good game would recommend yeah uh definitely worth checking out especially if you have game pass uh and it easily has enough content to justify its price tag it's something that I thought it wouldn't be as long as it is. And they're still talking about adding more to it later on. So, yeah, I mean, 
easily worth a pickup, uh, especially if you like Stardew Valley, but you didn't like it focused so much on your farm and not the community itself. This is a very community-focused game. And it's focused on getting to know your neighbors and eventually learning more about their stories, what yeah, you know, what their lives is like, and potentially more about this odd uh, universe where yeah, you know, we blew ourselves up, uh, and yeah, you know, this fight between the church and technology. It's a very interesting game. It is indeed. So uh, a hearty, heartfelt recommend from both of us. Yay! It was a good one to wrap 2019 on. Yep. So, for the first game of the new year, the the new decade, the first Game Club game... The current year! We're, <laughs> for the first game of the current year, we are going to be playing Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. This is another game that we're playing via Game Pass. Is it available on Steam? Yes, it is. Okay, I just typed Steam into the Steam search bar. So good, good job. I'm mate. pretty sure that there's a, a, a Steam a, a Steam game on Steam. Steampunk, that's one. Yeah, it's probably more than one. But yeah, where the water tastes like wine is twenty bucks on Steam currently, um, and we are gonna find out if it is worth twenty bucks or not. Uh, I have been very interested in this game since it released. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it was also on uh, the Twitch uh, Game Pass as well, or the Twitch Pass, or Twitch, Twitch Prom. Pretty sure it was at one point. Yeah, it was. It was for okay. July of 2018. It was uh, that one month that they threw out a lot of games. Yeah, I don't know if I have it on there or not because there was a couple where I missed months and missed games. So yeah, that's why I've been reminding but. you whenever I see there's new ones now. Uh, it was uh, it was in July where they had a uh, they gave away 18 games for the month of July, and it was a game every few days. So it really hurt you to come back. So they had things. Uh, like Broken Age, Tyranny, uh, Tacoma, Observer, and I'm pretty sure Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is on this list. Yeah, it was uh, one of the March games. Cool. So you, you, dear listener, might have it through that means if you don't have Game Pass. But uh, yeah, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Looking forward yeah, to that we'll one. find out where that is. Indeed. It, Probably not here. If it tastes like anything here, it's going to be moonshine. Maybe uh, it, no, you know, it's like downstream from Jeebus. Jeebus? I'm, I'm just going to assume that you said something that was trying to be funny, but not because I heard you talking, but couldn't make out what you said. Nah, I just said Jeebus. Oh, so I was right. So... Very quickly, let's uh, discuss a couple things in Community Corner. Um, as always, as my life changes and shifts and adjusts because of having a family and stuff, uh, my schedule has hardcore changed. 
So going forward, at least for the foreseeable future, I'm not going to be able to do community game night. Uh, I don't, I mean, anyone who wants to know the details, I don't mind to talk about and share them. But it's just a bunch of like, you know, scheduling stuff and things that happen as a child grows older and people get new jobs. Uh, so it basically, I just don't have as much free time as I did, um, in the at evenings. So for the foreseeable future, community game night is, uh, currently not going to be a thing that we're going to be doing. Um, obviously if you guys want to hang out being anybody in the community, uh, feel free to do so. You don't need my permission, but the idea of having like a specific, like we're going to come together at this time every week currently is uh not going to be something that we're doing so yeah hitman got away uh, apologies uh, finally, huh hitman did get away so i uh, just wanted to let everybody know that um did we have any tweets emails uh, not that week? i saw okay I mean, i'll go double check cool. because actually i didn't check earlier i checked yesterday and i didn't see anything at least i don't think i saw anything We'll go ahead and double check just to be safe because you never know, right? You never know. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Um, outside of just uh, junk from Podbeam? Nope. Uh, the moths are uh, still okay. uh, breeding in there quite nicely, actually. Alrighty then. Well, based on what time it is, uh, I think it's time for me to say, instead of doobly doo, to say, hey, Rage. Hit him with them socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Uh, well, the channel's been a little bit dead for a while, but eh, we'll work on that, maybe. Or you can find me on Steam, Caffeine Rage there as well. Or you can find me occasionally tw- uh, tweeting out on the Twitters, Caffeine, or sorry, Gaming with CR there. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can send me a friend request on Steam at JArthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Hacky Sack. Hacky Sack. Nice. One of the kind of funny sounding words that I had on my list for ages. Nothing really jumped out for... uh, Porsche or Portia. So, yeah, right? Yeah. So, once again, if you wish to fill up and scare the ever-living hell out of our uh, moss in the mailbag, you'd uh, send us an email, bjlpodcast at gmail.com, with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us over on VGL Podcast. And that is, of course, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness uh, possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. And our patrons is what makes our Podbean tick. VGLpodcast.podbean.com which hosts the RSS feed, show notes, links to all our stuff online, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at, at computech.com and... As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time.